0: have to clear the air real quick here so we had a a fire first 30 minutes but we had a major malfunction the captain was drinking on the job God dang it and he didn't record that first 30 minutes <laughs> so we're back and we're starting over and we're gonna get back into it so first off i just want to say that this is the last week out. Mm-hmm. We've got Anthony That's and me. David and Chuddy with a special guest named Polly. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Sissy Art. Uh, I said all this stuff before, but I'm going to say it again. Sissy Art's art is artistic, and it is absolutely uh, unique and special, and it's really cool. She just did a flash sale on her Instagram, at Sissy Art. She just, a bunch of just like, because the person that does the art for Sissy Art, Tara Galore, who's on the podcast last week, is one of the most creative people I've ever met. And she's these got all these. are
1: so upset. That's mm-hmm. her right
0: there. Um, and she just, dude, she just starts drawing. She puts these things on paper that just look so cool and they're unique, and you just look at it, and you're like, I want that. So, if you're interested in any of her art, follow her, please, at Sissy Art. That's at S-I-S-S-Y-A-R-T, at SissyArt. (laughs) Meow, 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 meow. That lo-fi banger was provided by Devin J. Hancock. Follow him, at Devin J. Hancock. If you guys got anything going on, if you got something you need advice for, like, just DM us, man. Let us know. Slide up in our DMs and ask us for some help. Um, for advice. I don't know if we can help you, but we can definitely give you some advice. You can email us at thelastweekout at gmail. Follow us on Instagram at lastweekout. You can uh, go to our YouTube page in the bio of our Instagram. uh, Check that out. Subscribe. Listen to some of the other episodes. Leave comments. Hit the like button. Uh, We're working on, hopefully in the next couple episodes, we're going to be on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. We're going to be on all the different platforms, and we're just going to be out there trying to get this message of hope and inspiration and motivation out there. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, we're here with Paulie. Thank you guys for having me. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here for another 30 minutes. And As I was saying, like I said in the original 30 minutes, Paul... I know Paul even better now because of that 30 (laughs) minutes than I did before. But as I was saying before, man, Paul's just one of those guys when you look at him and you're like, he is just so well put together. And I'm not even kidding. 97% of his body is completely tan. Mm -hmm. He looks like a gold brick. Yeah, it's just absolutely insane. Twenty four carats over there, big guy. Bling. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm passed over here to the uh, uh, the Olive Garden breadstick, Mr. Anthony Tatum, next to us. Mm, that's me. So like Chad
2: said, we had recorded thirty minutes and got to know Paul really well. And what we come to find out is that our mics weren't feeding properly, but we believe in divine intervention here because we're optimists. So we took a break. We had a long talk with Paul, but I think it'd be best to kind of recap everything we talked about before because we were heading in such a positive direction with Paul. And so I'm going to kind of lead it. And then Paul, you just kind of jump in and fill in the blanks as I go across. So you grew up out here in Mesa. Correct. Correct. And you were Brought up in a family that was—is—is is there an Orthodox LDS, or is it just everyone that's in LDS practices this way that you were raised?
3: Uh, pretty much everyone practices that way. Yeah. So, what, you're, what's he,
1: with the polygamous set?
3: Uh, that's a set. Well, I mean, Mormonism back when polygamy was legal uh, practiced Morgan, you know polygamy yeah because like they had been persecuted a lot of mormons were killed for their religion or whatever and so they believed it once and it became illegal then the church stopped practicing it and then there was like a sect that broke off like and that show big love i don't i i've never seen never
1: seen big love i don't
3: watch tv so still a vow. Uh, just <laughs> never watch TV yeah. you know what I mean so I just me and my I wife. mean I, I can't say never but I, I every once in a while but yeah. I, don't, I don't like know any shows or, are you watching
2: Game of Thrones uh, that is the one show I will watch who's gonna die tonight
3: uh, a lot of people who is Arya gonna die no definitely not no she's uh she's, a, she's survivor. a survivor she's a trooper dude.
0: no nobody's gonna die because they no le- they one. left you waiting and they're gonna play this next episode and they're gonna talk about a story on the other side oh, of the no, world it better the not. There, I time. was wanting
3: a fight last week so there better be a fight this week there must be blood there, yes there must
2: be a war this yeah. week Xerxes killing Arya tonight I'm calling it long shot jersey That is a long, Arya. long shot. <laughs> and she's know, gonna adopt the
0: dragon. They are so far away, there's no way they could possibly <laughs> the logistics of possibly traveling from from King's Landing to the north is not gonna happen in one day. Okay, okay, Anthony. Okay.
2: I'm sorry, but let me apologize to viewers that don't watch Game of Thrones we fell into a hole there I apologize <laughs> so back to m- being Mormon back to being. You grew Mormon. up Mormon correct and uh, Paul has a sordid past as far as started smoking weed when you were 13 but prior to that um, you were a young criminal
3: I was I was a young criminal I was uh, yeah that's about it I yeah was that's a, a good that's way to sum it up. I was a troublemaker I, yeah. I was drawn to causing problems yeah stealing stealing uh, smoking Paper. We'd roll up paper and smoke it. What? Yeah. Oh, just paper? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because there was like no one in my neighborhood smoked cigarettes, so we you know thought we were cool. You know, we'd roll up paper. I got arrested also before I was you know out of grade school for like we made napalm. And we
2: would burn that styrofoam, styrofoam gasoline. And gasoline. That's yeah, it. That's it. Were you guys successful? <laughs> oh, very successful. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I got arrested for
3: it. So holy We'd ma- just go down to the park. There's a park at the end of the street that everyone partied at. At the
2: end of my street. Party park. Yep. Everyone uh, had one. Yeah, and we would just light napalm all over the park. And, and and so Paul shared with us that he was actually incarcerated a few times as a juvenile. Yeah. And then he didn't want to share with how long, because uh, I believe he's going to rope that into his true, two truths and a lie later. Correct. We do that much later. Don't sweat that right now. I'm not worried about it anymore. <laughs> and Paul shared with us that at a young age, 13, starts smoking weed, um, does really terribly in school, decides not to go, and you start picking up harder drugs. Meth. Meth, acid, coke. What do you got? Let's do it. Let's do it. You know. Back then,
3: heroin wasn't the epidemic that it is today. I didn't... I mean, I was the party kid, so everyone knew, like, if you wanted to get, you know, if you wanted to get fucked up... Paul's your guy. Come hang out with me. And I never saw heroin. Never saw it? Never even saw it. And I, I mean, I hung out with people, like, I met someone in juvenile, juvenile prison that was like, mom was in the, you know, Hell's Angels, and they had pounds and pounds of meth, you know, and never saw heroin.
2: Wow, man. What a trip. What a different world we're living in right now. Now it's fentanyl and yeah, opiates and everything, right. anywhere you go. And so you continue down this path of using drugs, drinking. How, how old were you uh, when you kind of got this? And and I know Paul today as a really positive human being and working you know in a program of recovery and helping people when did that ideology kind of shift like when did the necessity to sobriety kind of happen for you
3: uh when i got released from the texas department of corrections in 2010 what were you doing in texas yes. that just sounds rough yeah it's uh, not a fun place texas. <laughs> texas department. you got arrested by
2: <laughs> chuck norris yeah no i uh i ended
3: up in tech like I, I i mentioned before i my 20s is was, was pretty much a blur Uh uh-huh. um you know, my, my parents came to me about 21, 22. I was strung out on heroin and crack. And they're like, we want to pay for you to go to this fancy rehab. You know what I mean? The nicest rehab they could find, $50,000 cash, whatever, whatever, on Newport Beach, California. Yeah. And I said, "Why? why would I want to go there, you know? I don't want to. I don't want to get sober. I mean, I'd go there I'd, tomorrow. Right. <laughs> me too. Me too. A nice break from life, Sounds real great. quick. You know what I mean? But I, I never heard the word sober in my life till I came into a program of recovery. So it wasn't like, oh, I don't want to get sober. I was like, why would I want to do that? You know? And and they're like, well, you should probably move. And so I started moving all over the U.S. trying to change my life, and I ended around up around twenty-one. Texas, around twenty-one, and then in twenty-nine. At 29 years old, I got out of, I had ended up in Texas from some dude I met in rehab and went and lived there with him, was selling heroin, got arrested yeah, and uh, went to prison, got out. That was the first time in my life that I was like, okay,
2: I got to change. Yeah, this isn't working. Right. Drugs are not working out for me anymore, you know? And I think it would be important to kind of share, it's like you at 18 had put the lds church behind you you were done and and paul at 13 13 you were but uh, it was
3: part of my probation stipulation that my parents made sure was part of (laughs) that i went to church
2: (laughs) wow yeah those parents were working the courts (laughs) they're like and he has to clean our backyard yeah twice a
3: week they loved the courts i mean my mom and dad were like best friends with my my probation officers and judges and all that And they're you know they were everything, trying to get me to change my life, and right. They were the problem, really.
2: And so you land in a. <laughs> 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 That's why I'm
3: where I'm at. They would have just
0: left me alone. Exactly. Have had any right. issues? Right. Let no. Me I, meth I, in the addict. I, attic, I,
3: right? I be, Yeah, exactly. I believe that. Like if my PO would leave me alone, my parents would leave me alone, my girlfriend would leave me alone. Everything would
2: be good. Yeah, I'd go to school. Probably be a doctor. <laughs> and so at 29 years old you're out of incarceration and you you're just like i'm i'm gonna change it
3: i moved back here and i in in, in incarceration when i was in in prison in texas i like got baptized again uh, to a different religion, Christian, I think. I don't even know what religion it was. Yeah. I mean, I've been baptized in like every religion you could get <laughs> baptized in, you know, uh, trying to like change, but whatever. Uh, and uh, I, that was the first time that I wasn't telling my mom or my dad or my PO or my girlfriend or whoever that I was like going to change. It was like I was telling myself. And I got out and I got high that day. Holy shit. Some out,
0: powerlessness. Out the gate at eight, and in the spoon by noon. Yeah,
3: literally. Like I, I mean, you, you get released with some money. I bought alcohol, and and a, and a, I had my parents send me some money for a bus pass back to Arizona. Yeah, and I was buying pills and weed at the at, you know at the Greyhound bus stop, I'm getting hot loaded the whole way here.
0: What a good place to be, dude! The Greyhound bus stop. The, I mean, you can find whatever you want there. Right. Yeah. No.
3: I mean, definitely, you can find whatever you want in every state if you're really looking. And then what? You get out here. I got. I came out here, and I, you know, I was just going to smoke weed. None of my friends would let me smoke weed. They're like, "You can't do that," you know. And I started mm-hmm. smoking weed. Next thing you know, I was strung out on heroin
2: again. That's that
3: scary. I will line. never
0: get you your first hard drug. I'll get you your first hard dick. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was our guest Danielle, <laughs> I, uh, I love that line. It's like, I, I wanted to smoke weed. Man, me too. I think, uh, I think for most of us, you know, we look back on anybody who abused. Substances to, you know, ex- kind of any extreme. level of, yeah, extreme. And when you say extreme, it's like, no, really extreme. This isn't like, you know, silly shit. This is crazy, madness. And we look at it and smoking weed would be great. I mean, I, I smell weed now and I'm like, man, that stuff mm-hmm. smells amazing. And That's they've got bad. like, uh, what, dabs and, uh, was it crumble and Wax, shatter? Bears. You can get oh,
0: soda,
3: you shatter, vape pens, gummy like, bears you know, with you know, too much weed in right, it, caramel, uh, whatever you want. You yeah. Know?
2: yeah, me and my wife always say that we got sober too uh, too early because it's looking like it's way more acceptable. And and so for me, I uh, whenever I talk to people who don't really understand the extent of my sickness to or or of, you know my proclivity to using, I tell them you know I man i would love to use weed but it's just for me it's kind of like you know why even entertain it you know why even think about it it's too scary it could lead to what it used to be and even if there's a point zero zero one percent chance you know i'm i'm careful though about energy drinks i'm careful there was like that stuff viva zen i don't know if our listeners know any of that this was like a uh, gas station drink that they were like yeah it mellows you out if you drink this I was like, fuck, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) That neuro sleep shit. I I tried just
3: smoking weed. Yeah.
2: And it definitely led me back. No kidding. Yeah. Okay, well, tell us about your recovery a little bit. Tell us about that. Okay. So you're reco- you You got into recovery, and then you started smoking weed again.
3: Uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, so I ended up at the Salvation Army in 2010. Oh,
2: for our listeners who don't know the Salvation Army. <laughs> the Salvation Army is nowhere that you want to be. It's the low of the low of the low. Yeah, you rehabs. can get in there. It's You just show up, and they let you in. But they put you to work, right? Yes.
3: Yes, you work 8 9 hours a day. You they give you clothes, they give you everything you need. You have to tuck in your shirt. You can't use swear language. You have to be cleanly shaven. You have to do all kinds of stuff. Go to all these groups, go to
2: meetings every day. Church yes church twice a week was that weird growing up in lds and then well you were saying you were baptized so you were kind of oh i was
3: full on in it i thought you know it was early recovery so i didn't i whatever whatever you whatever
2: just like if this is what you're gonna tell
3: me is gonna keep me off drugs and alcohol then cool i'll do it you're willing yeah whatever okay you come out of there uh i get kicked out of there after three months for what i it was you know they call it pilfering i had a pilfering ring going on i was stealing stuff and selling it and Pilfering? Yeah, that's what they call it. Stealing.
0: You pilfer and pilfster.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, I mean, if you think that the behaviors and the ideas and the way you live your life are going to change just because you decide to quit using drugs and alcohol, uh, that's a rude awakening. Yeah. You have to make an effort yeah. <laughs> at doing those things. You know what I mean? And I did not understand that. I thought, oh, I just take the drugs and alcohol out of my life and I'm good. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I was still living the same behaviors. Right. And I got kicked out after three months. Did that spin you right back into using? No, I actually was blessed that I had gotten a sponsor at the time. Okay. And uh, and that was the only phone number I had to call.
2: And this is a guy that's in recovery also. Correct. Kind of a uh, mentor. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know what a sponsor is. Yeah. In the, in the 12 steps of recovery, a sponsor is a person that you call that kind of walks you through anything uh, that's recovery related, uh, essentially. Right. All right. And so you called him.
3: I called him and he's like, okay, since you got kicked out of a, a rehab, I need you to commit to a year sober. I mean a year at a sober living house. Yeah. So that's a house that you live in that you get, you ate at, you have to work, you have to go to meetings. Still accountable. Supervision.
2: Yeah. All those curfews,
3: all that stuff. House manager telling you how to live your life. When you put a beautiful life together after that. Oh uh, yeah. No, I put a life that I never thought was possible to live. Yeah. And, I mean, it wasn't easy early on. I, I you know, didn't have any, hadn't worked in years and years and years. What did you do for work? Uh, I did day labor at the beginning. Yeah, like what? Oh, I did the Barrett Jackson car show one day. I would get up at like four in the morning, go to sit at the, at the day labor shop place right by the house, and then I'd work for just doing whatever, whatever work they'd give me electrical work, grunt work at construction sites, whatever it is, and then for eight to nine hours a day, and then I'd get paid 50 bucks. Come home, shower, get paid fifty bucks. Fifty dollars. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was it was a rough time. Were you you happy? Uh, no.
0: No, not. (laughs) 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 Thank you for your honesty, (laughs) sir.
3: No, I was miserable, but uh, I I'm glad for that misery because it kept me going. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't miserable enough to where how miserable I was getting high. But it wasn't fun. I mean, there was, you know, some of the closest relationships I have today in my life are with people in that sober living house, you know. Yep. And uh, so those were, you know, we'd la- I'd laugh, we'd go hang out and do stuff, and go to you know meetings and do stuff with those guys, and building those kinds of relationships. But like working for fifty dollars a day. Getting up super early, working all day, going home, showering, going to a meeting, eating ramen, cans of beans that you got out the food pantry, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wearing, I mean, I Hand grew me up downs. skateboarding, yeah. you know what I mean? When I got out of jail, me my too. brother gave me clothes and it was Wrangler boots and Wrangler pants and like flannel shirts, which is nothing wrong with that, but I was a skateboarder. <laughs> That's like the opposite of what I wore,
1: you know what I mean? But it was the only clothes I had. It was yep. the only clothes my brother that used to be a punishment for me in middle school where I, I like I wore the same kind of stuff, like big oversized band shirts and Jinko jeans, stuff. jeans and stuff. Uh, and and so to punish me when I wasn't getting good grades, my parents made me wear Tommy Hilfiger's and tuck in my shirt and dress <laughs> shoes. It's like, damn, I wish I had that stuff now. Like, that <laughs> so sick. Yeah. Right, that's Dave right. is like a Tommy Bahama model yeah.
2: now. <laughs> He's got all the most comfy floral shirts. Right. So you get out what year is this that we're talking 2010. about? Right Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. So yeah. nine years ago. Yep. Put a beautiful life together. You struggle through, what, a couple years later into your I struggle
3: through, and then about a year later, I got my own apartment, and uh, I got a job at a dry cleaners. I had some experience working at a dry cleaners when I was like 19, 20. I met you while you worked at that dry cleaner, actually. Yeah, I worked at that dry cleaners for nine years. Wow, that's a good I run. built from, I mean, I started as like, you know, I'm working on the line all the way up to running the business for
2: the last four or five years that's not what you're doing now though no i just got a, a new job in the last like three weeks ago yeah you're telling us a little bit about it so you dabble with weed when does that happen
3: uh so about five years sober i uh one of my friends that uh, you know i met in the sober living house he uh he couldn't stay sober, so he was in and out, in and out. And like you were talking about your buddy that you know would help you out when you're out, he would you know hit me up when he was out, and I'd help him out. But he's just my the closest person I've ever been with in my life. But uh, at about two weeks before I was five years sober, I found him dead in our house, of a heroin overdose. Well, we actually talked about him on the podcast last week. No, two right. weeks ago. He was close friends with Daniel. Yeah, close friends with Daniel as well. Okay, which and, I am too. So,
2: so that hardship. Did that send you sort of into a depression that led to it or right in a weed? Uh, no, that'll change your life
3: for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Doing CPR on a, on a dead body of your close friend. Of your <laughs> close friend, yeah. <laughs> you know no what kidding. I mean? And uh, it didn't, like I stayed sober for a year after that, but it just kind of, I slowly over the next year stopped doing so much. And, I you know, after two months, I met this girl that, you know, that she grew up with him. Their families were really close. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, over the next year, I just like, I don't need to go to a meeting every day. I don't need to sponsor, eight guys. I don't need to, you know, I didn't do two H&Is a week. I don't need to do, slowly. It Cut out my, the responsibilities. Yes, yeah, slowly, very slowly over the next year. I right. don't need to be on any committees. I don't need, all these things that I did for years and years and years. Yeah. Just slowly stopped doing it to eventually it was like, I'm just on a board of a, you know, of a world service thing. And yeah. I go to that meeting. Once Low
2: maintenance recovery. No, no recovery. No recovery at all. No recovery.
3: Didn't really deal with that. Was too concerned about everyone else, making sure everyone else was okay. Making sure everyone else was, you know, I don't, I, honestly, I can look back right now. And it was like the, there was the pride and ego had gotten back. Like someone with five years shouldn't be, you know, That was the belief, which was a lie in my head is like someone with that many years shouldn't be suffering, you know, the way I was suffering yeah and you just so I just wouldn't bring it up. I wouldn't tell people, wow, you know what I mean, yeah, because I was ashamed that, like, hey, you know, which is is', is it's false, right? It doesn't matter how much time you have. Uh, I just didn't believe that someone with that amount of time sober, sober should be suffering like that,
2: yeah, that is actually you'd say in the uh recovery community. For anyone who's not involved in, and maybe just involved in anything that they're involved in you know it's like once you start to put together some time sober sometimes people look at that as a milestone and and normally with time sober comes you know good coping mechanisms good supports good all these things because without him we probably wouldn't have got here so, um,
1: um real quick though i, I have a, a bittersweet memory of of something happened where it was at it was at uh david's funeral and paul gets up to to speak and he uh He's been in the program for so long, going to meetings for so long that he introduces himself. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm a, I'm an addict. <laughs> <laughs> Did everyone in <laughs> the, like half the crowd, hi. Half the I'm crowd Paul. laughed and half the crowd was very confused. <laughs> 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 they're like, oh no, another one.
2: Yeah. So you, I, and, and like I was saying, I, I could relate with, you know, meeting and hearing, you know, we get this time or we've had this time sober and we kind of, falsely associate it with, you know, some sort of ego or some sort of accomplishment, like a, a graduation or a merit, and we, we dissipate on all of the things that we were doing that got us to that point and then the misery comes in and then in intrinsically it's like shame and it's sometimes people are cognizant of it or aware yeah. sometimes we're not you no, know about like how to even not, talk about i can look back at through. it now and see it but
3: I, I i thought it was okay yeah i'd met someone that i had fallen in love with and it was like that became like the good feeling mm-hmm. that person helped me to feel good and helped me and so it masked it very well
2: yeah you know yeah and i think you know it that i mean it's it's a powerful thing to look back on maybe a miserable time of our lives and to be able to say like in hindsight i can spot it but then you know the awareness just wasn't there and we've talked about that on this podcast before is how grateful we can get for the awareness because it comes and you're just like fuck like i have so much to fix and and i've been making this mistake for so long how did i get here But without that awareness, what? You just continue on. And so for you, did the awareness come and then the weed? Or was it just like, boom?
3: No, it was finally, it was one point I was about to get married. And uh, I'd just gotten engaged. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to close this chapter of my life. The sobriety right. chapter. Sobriety, David dying, all that. Like I, I wasn't going to meetings really anymore. Mm. I wasn't really active in a, in a program of recovery. And it was like, you know what? I'm going to close this chapter in my life. I'm going to get married, start having kids. You know, I'm going to start a new chapter. And that's what it was. And then after that, then it was like, well, we. you can get a medical card now in Arizona. It's legal. You can, I mean, anyone can get a medical card and, uh, and I True. Was like, I'll get a medical card and I'll just you know, I'll start smoking weed. And I told my fiance that, and she's like, "Cool." She had a medical card, um, and just right back in, right back in, start
2: smoking weed. Well, where were you guys at in planning the wedding? I planned a wedding. That's that's not fun.
3: Uh, we had just gotten engaged. So it was the, the, beginning. Oh, the it was like, very beginning. It was two months after. I you mean, had
2: you booked a, a place yet? No, not yet. Okay,
3: we had. I had just like this was like November, and I had asked her to marry me in December
2: in uh, October. Okay. October first, it was. And this, so you're smoking weed, and then boom. How bad does it get? Did it get bad quick? No, not at all. Well,
3: okay, so uh, there's a little story I like to always tell is that, like, so my girl smoked weed, Uh and she would get, like, a a cartridge, a vape cartridge, and hit it at night, you know, and have it for a couple days, and uh, and then, so I started smoking weed, and, like, a month into smoking weed, she came over one day, and I had, like, these two shoeboxes full of just, like, different kinds of weeds, (laughs) you know what I mean, like, in glass jars, just, like, Fifty something different kinds of strands. I, I, you know, I got sober and there wasn't dabs. I had a dab rig. I had like all these vape pens. You know what <laughs> I mean? And she's like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm just smoking weed." And she's like, "What's wrong with you?" This is and I was excessive. like, "Right?" And I was like, "What do you?" babe I'm just smoking weed you know what I mean she gets a pen and let, makes it last for three weeks yeah, a couple these of hits. bitches are so upset <laughs> yeah she was yeah, oh, she's like you need to go back to it you know a go program, back to it yeah. right a program of recovery and I was like what do you ta- what's wrong and she's like there's something wrong with you like why do you have all this just right. passionate you know I, mean? like, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's, I was like dude babe there's all these good strands I wanted her to try them You know this, one's, I mean? for right, this right, one's for sleep this one's for the morning gym I mean all different kind. you know I, I grew weed when i was younger so it was like oh these are all these strands that i know about that i want i would go over all the dispensaries and get whatever <laughs> That's so
0: funny a normal person's perspective on somebody that suffers from addiction <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, this is this is not okay <laughs> right this is not normal
3: i was like what, i'm just smoking weed i know but i smoked weed for like eight or nine months and didn't really i did some uh some acid and ketamine and ecstasy and
0: yeah and, uh, mushrooms and okay. all that
3: when i i went to edc which is the electric daisy Crack, carnival no arrow. i hadn't done that yet but uh <laughs> i went to electric daisy carnival for my bachelor party and uh did all those things?
2: Okay, so the wedding is getting planned.
3: We're planning the wedding. I'm smoking weed with her all the time, right? And the wedding's getting planned. Everything's fine. Everything's cool. We plan the wedding. We find the venue. We've got all that.
2: Are you are
1: you hiding stuff? So you're showing her you're like four or five strands, but really you got twenty. No, she away.
3: knew oh. like and she knew everything. Okay. I mean, because then I started taking Xanax at night to go to sleep because the head got really loud. She knew about all that. Yeah, the, she knew about everything until I, you know, I eventually got on heroin
2: how'd that happen
3: uh so i went to mexico with a bunch of friends and my other close buddy that just moved back to atlanta talking about atlanta um he was from atlanta came out here to straighten out his life um so we went to mexico he's never been to mexico he's like dude can you really get whatever you want in mexico i'm like bro, it's mexico
0: you know what i mean and <laughs> strong I, yes
3: right and i went and got like i went down there to buy a bunch of bars and so we went to the pharmacy and we you know i got my bar, my xanax bars uh-huh. and uh and he's like, let's get some some pills, you know And I'm like, no And he's like, just for the weekend So we get some Vicodin or whatever And then on Sunday morning when we're leaving He's like, uh, let's go buy the pharmacy again And I was going to go get some more Xanax for someone else And I was like, alright, cool And I'm like, but don't be fucked up when we cross the border Because I got like 300 bars on me You know what I mean? And he's like, alright, cool He's like, I got a hangover let me, get a, let me get a bar so I can feel better And I was like, whatever So I give him that And uh, we get to the pharmacy, and he, like, talks the guys into getting those dirty 30s, the perk 30s. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, so whatever. So he's like, let me make sure they're real. So he snorts one off the counter.
2: Of the pharmacy of in the Mexico? Of the pharmacy in Mexico, right? What Crushes it up. What is happening? Snorts
3: the line off the off the counter in Mexico. And I'm like, bro, I told you not to be fucked up when we cross the border. I'm going to be good. Right. He's I'm like, going to be it's good. It's cool, dude. It's cool, dude. Chill out. So we get in the car and we're driving. And I'm like, dude, he's like the DJ because I'm driving. I'm like, bro, what are we listening to? And I hit him. He's blue. Overdosed. What? Blue, dude. And I'm like in Rocky Point, Mexico, like, oh, my God, I'm going to push this dude out of my car. Yeah, you have to. Like, what? how do I Just explain a dog? How do free. I explain a dead body in my car in Mexico? You know what I mean? You can't even explain going two miles over the speeding limit without getting a fine. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, I don't know what to do. I get into a gas station. I just jump out of my car and start screaming. Some lady gets in my car and Jesus. drives us to a clinic. And you're clinic. already
2: traumatized. Yeah. You already have I'd already seen you. my other
3: best friend die, you know? Wow. And, uh, and so then, like, when when we're, like, taking him into this clinic, I go through his pocket and find all those other pills. And I walk down the street to throw them out. And I, like, go to throw them. And my hand goes into my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't throw the pills. The old fig-a-roo. I literally walk down the street to throw them out. And it... I, I couldn't I've never I, I've never been able to throw away drugs in my yeah. life it's just not in me um, and so I took those back and started doing those and uh, so you got back across the border got and yeah. your friend lived my friend lived he got shot up with Narcan he got brought back he was good oh man thank God uh, for
2: Narcan right
3: and uh, and then you know I snuck him back he's like what happened to those pills I was like I threw those things out man they killed you dude you know what I mean <laughs> And uh, started doing them got sick off those next thing you know I'm looking for heroin So the wedding That was like a month and a half before my wedding Okay So I do dope for like two weeks Uh, I told this dude I confided in That I was you know because no one knew No one knew I was like dude I could not even look anyone in the eye I was like how am I back here How am I back on heroin again Not only that I'm about to get married in a month and a half Yeah And, uh, And so I told this dude you know that was close friends with my buddy that died, and he flipped out and called someone. The one person he called was this guy that owns a rehab in Kansas City that used to live here. Uh, was close friends with my buddy's dad that died, who's close friends with my fiance's family. And so everyone knew that I was getting you high. Just open <laughs> right, boom! Just open the can of worms. So then on um, Memorial or Labor Day weekend, they all go to see their grandma in Michigan, and I detox myself and I come home. I'd been off heroin for five days, you know. Uh, come home on Tuesday to an intervention, and they're like, "If you want to see Christina, it was her name? If they, if you want to see Christina, again, your fiance, yes, you have to go to detox right now." And I'm like, "Well, I've been, I'm detoxed." They're like, it doesn't matter. And so then I left, and that night they canceled the wedding.
2: Wow, man. Yeah,
3: her parents canceled the wedding.
0: Oh, my God. It's been a, a common thing that we've talked about uh, with human connection on this podcast is transparency. And there's a serious lack of it in that story you just told us. And it's just it blows my mind that like when we hold that stuff in, when we don't speak about it, when we don't talk about it, when we're not transparent, you can end up like Paul. Right. <laughs> yeah, in Mexico, Mexico. fake throw
2: Xanax, while your dead friend's in the car and, right. and across the border. Well, that's powerful, man. Yeah. And so, you, but regardless of the fact that you had been detoxed, now you are doing well. Right. All no, signs So,
3: my, my buddy that owns the rehab in Kansas City, he was the one guy. So, it was like my brother, my brother-in-law, her brother, and then him that was going to be my groomsman in my wedding. Yeah. So, he's like, I brought you, I got you a ticket. You're coming out here on Wednesday. Nice. So he just threw me threw me out to Kansas City. He's like, Well, there's no end date. You're here, you're scholarshiped in here. We you know, we'll let you know when you're <laughs> when you're good. <laughs> <laughs> so I went out there and I and I dug, you know what I mean? I cried a lot. I cried a lot. I uh didn't talk to her for ninety days, she wouldn't
2: talk to me. Um How's that relationship now?
3: We're not talking as we speak. Yeah. You know, I I eventually had to walk away.
2: I would assume. I mean, that's just... Even if that relationship was deep and meaningful, I mean, it's crazy what some situations like what you're talking about can do. I mean, you can look back and be like, ah, that might have worked out. But I really, really fucking shit the bed on that one. And some stuff is... Yeah. It's not that it's unforgivable, but it's not like we can pretend like it didn't happen. Right. And that's kind of where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. All right. So then today... You are a sober, happy individual. Yeah, ish. Yeah, no, I'm sober. I'm, <laughs>
3: you know, I I can remember sitting in the rehab.
2: Sorry, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> uh,
3: if anyone knows me, they know I cry a lot. So I remember sitting in the rehab, and I knew like working a program of recovery works. Like the first time you come in, everything you've tried didn't work. So you're like, I don't know if this is gonna work. This, you know what I mean? Whatever, mm-hmm. I'll do it. But after having six years of sobriety and working the program and my life drastically changing where my relationships with my family are great, my relationships in the community, every aspect of my life is wonderful, right? Right. I know that the program of recovery works. So I'm like, okay, I just got to get back into it. You know what I mean? And I sat in the rehab, and I was like, okay, I just got to do it. I got a, you know, a sponsor that we talked about. I got a sponsor. Started working steps. Started doing that. Started reading. I just read. You know, people watch TV and rehab. And I just read literature and I prayed and I did all these things. And uh, I was like, I know my life will get good again. Yeah. And uh, and like you know, a month and a half ago, I was at work and I was like, I started crying and I was like, I'm I'm there. Right. I'm where I wanted to be a year and a half ago in rehab when I when I knew I was like I feel happy again in life, I love my life, I feel connected to the program, I feel connected to God, all
2: those things, like I'm there again. That is you know what I mean? Wonderful. Yeah. So anybody listening, struggling, thinking like if you could take everything that you're talking about going through with You know being in recovery not reaching out the people passing away all of that synthesize that down to sort of what you think anyone who's listening might hear that you could kind of expedite or save them from whatever it was you went through so is it like reach out would would that be your biggest piece of advice when you're feeling that way or what would it be
3: Uh, i think it's more with like what chad was talking about being transparent right like don't i today i don't have any secrets today i don't you know what i mean I I don't... Everyone knows what's going... I'm transparent in my life... If I'm upset... if If I'm not... Honestly... Have somebody... Whether it's a sponsor... Whether it's a best friend... Whether it's someone in your life... That you can be completely accountable... And know... Because that's what happened... Is that I started to do... Behaviors that I probably shouldn't have done... And I wasn't... You know... And I had a sponsor... That was a great sponsor... Don't get me wrong... But I was... I was afraid to tell him... What was going on in my life... Because... I didn't want to be judged... You know what I mean? I didn't. I had five years of sobriety and I didn't want him to. You know what I mean? I couldn't be transparent. I couldn't be transparent with him. Okay. And it wasn't had anything to do with him. It was me. You know what I mean? Find that connection with somebody. Like today, my sponsor is the sponsor I had for, you know, the first four years of sobriety last time. No kidding. Yeah, no, he moved to San Diego and is the only reason I found a different sponsor and he recently moved back. And so he's my sponsor again, and and that dude knows everything that's ever going on in my life. Stay present. Yeah, ever, always. I, I, so, can t- so I can I can tell him that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, and he doesn't judge me. And he and I don't and I I don't like I know that he won't judge me. He'll just
2: give me the right direction. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should take a quick break. I know that. So what happened? Like Chad and all of us have said, we we ran thirty minutes we came back found out that we weren't recording properly let's take a quick little break right now and we'll come right back to you guys thank you guys for listening and we'll be right back
1: Sissy, sissy, sissy art made it. Hey. Oh, I got sissy art. I'm a motherfucking wall. I ain't got no other paintings because of sissy, can y'all?
0: <laughs> and we back, and we back, and we back again. Took a little break, like we always do. Talked about some things. Laughed, smoke break. Little break. Smoke break. Little smoke break, little vape break. When we left off, Paul was telling us how much of a dirtbag he's been most of his life. And uh, now he's going to tell us how he's not a dirtbag No, anymore. he was telling us about uh,
2: <laughs> you went through some hardship and then now you're sober. And that was actually really beautiful about kind it of was. coming back. And thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, on our initial break, we had had a kind of heavy conversation. We're putting Paul on the fucking spot here. And uh, he told us to... You know, pull no punches. So Paul, we were talking about relationships. You are talking about how you were due to get married. And then we started talking about, and this is on our initial break. So this is about an hour ago that we had had this conversation with Paul, where he is currently in a relationship that's a little bit different than the relationship that you were in before. And so we kind of wanted to talk with you about that. Maybe you take the lead and I'll kind of jump in and ask you some questions sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> before
0: before we get started no never mind no go ahead Chad. Yeah, Chad. okay so I I don't want to be the one to blow it so uh, I heard I had heard a uh, something through the grapevine and yeah Paul had asked us he had said that he'd been in a relationship since December so we took a break and being the manipulative person that I am by nature I don't I mean I don't try to be but I had asked Paul I said Paul Uh, Who are you in a relationship with? (laughs) What was your answer? Uh, I was like, I don't remember. I was like, I
3: said, uh, oh, you don't, you won't know the person. They're not in the program, (laughs) you know? And then it's kind of, you know, it's not a a well-known fact, but, and then I was like, you know what? I'm in a relationship with another guy. Right. And we're all, what? Well, we had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, David was in the bathroom and then he came out and he's like, so wait, is the rumor true? You know, (laughs) David came right out with it. No,
2: David had asked, uh, I don't know if he asked me and Chad at the same time, but last week when we knew that you were coming on, he was like, had you heard that Paul's in a relationship with a guy? Or I I don't know if that's the question you asked is, had you heard that Paul came out? And I was like, no. I haven't heard that at all. And so I, I had no intention on kind of bringing that up or, or making that a point of discussion because it may not be. But on our break, when it kind of came up and we were talking about it, it seems like a really powerful discussion because of you're basically figuring this out and figuring out how you're feeling about it and sort of you've never been in a relationship with a guy before?
3: No. I uh, you know I had the idea of like I wanted to grow, you know, have a family, get married and have kids and all that whole idea and so I, you know, that's what I thought I wanted, that's what I wanted to do with my life and yeah. uh, when that kind of crumbled when that dream kind of when I destroyed that dream as well I guess you can say uh, you know, I I something I didn't bring up was, uh, you know, as a young kid I, I was molested, you know for a lot of years and uh, by a guy and uh, so, it, you know, I'd always questioned my sexuality growing up um, yeah. definitely did stuff in, in my active addiction, uh, you know, that, uh, would be considered gay, I guess, or homophobe. What do you, <laughs> right. <don't> even <laughs> you say it make you question maybe your sexuality? Yeah, definitely. No question to all my life. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I can remember I was like 26 years old living in Chicago and my dad, you know, I crashed three company vehicles of his that month. And he's just like, what is wrong with you, Paul? You know, like, what's, why can you not stop? And, uh, and I thought it was because, you know, I was gay. And so I told my parents then, I'm like, I think I'm gay. You know what I mean? And then. Uh, you
2: know. <gasps> wow. So this has been a discussion that you had with your parents previously. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So
3: my, I mean, I've always been really super close with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm. he's known everything about me. You know what I mean? Uh, something else. Like, so from the age of like 13 to 16, my mom had multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she hated one of the personalities, like legitimately multiple personality disorder, different names, talk different, different ages, all of them. And, uh, and one of them hated men, especially me and my dad. And that was like another reason as to why I was like such a troubled youth. I didn't want to be home because my mom hated me, I thought. Yeah, well, randomly. So yeah. So I have been molested, figured out, you know, once I like was like realized what was going on, I was like, I don't want this happening, I got really angry and then that whole thing started with my mom and so it was just like I need to get out of this place. Yeah,
2: drugs and alcohol help yeah, for a while.
3: And running away from
2: home. Yeah.
3: You know what I mean? My mom always says that like by the age of fourteen I was out of the house.
2: You're gone. Gone. Yeah. Either in be. juvenile, either in prison, either in, you know, rehab or on the run. Yeah. Yeah. So now you are kind of figuring this whole relationship thing out and I think for me, um, you know look at i i mean for me i i i know that i am really i'm not a bigot in these areas at all like when i hear about it i i am just like well you know we've heard a lot and that's really interesting to me because you've dated a bunch of girls and so in those relationships looking back do you feel like there was a level of dishonesty or you were really attracted to them and love no those uh, most
3: of the women that i've dated and known that that i've fool around with guys or that you know i always question my sexuality i'm pretty transparent except for when it comes to drugs and alcohol that's it
2: yeah keep that well because then people don't
3: you know they always are like what's wrong with you know what i mean um but yeah most of them have known you know most of my friends known i'd never dated a guy you know and then you know when i got i tried to make it work with the girl that i was going to marry and then i you know Dated a couple of girls since I've
2: been back yeah. sober
3: again and, and just wasn't working out.
2: How long have you guys been dating? Who? You and the oh, guy Oh, since with uh, her December. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, no, I, I started, like, I, I was on, you know, the good old, what are they called? what Dating apps, you know what I mean? And one day my buddy, my close friend that moved to Atlanta that overdosed, he's like, dude, why don't you just change the preferences to male and females? And I was like, all right, you know, might as well try it. Yeah, started met someone and uh, escalated from there. I honestly, I I I thought I would like freak out and wouldn't be okay with it, and like, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. What's the main difference, for humor's sake, for me, the main difference between dating a guy and a girl, like at in the house? I mean, is it like a more open relationship for you? Yeah. No.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. It's, uh, you know, with a girl, uh, I'll be honest with you, the one thing I noticed like right away with a girl, like she won't like fart in front of you or go to the bathroom in front you. For like months, like six to eight
0: months. Not I'm, my girlfriend. Yo, <laughs> n- the first time we ever hung out, she hawked a loogie and farted and I was like, mm, I'm in love. Yo, that's never had that experience. Yeah, too. no, that's,
3: that's definitely you know that was one thing that's just like
2: do you guys have shared interest or is it just like i mean i guess with me and my wife we don't share a lot of the same interests um and i don't never necessarily know if that's because of gender but are you feeling that way like as far as shared interest is the level of of shared activity and there's things like definitely
3: that? there's like so he loves cars right knows every kind of car, car everything he owns a shop in in tucson yeah uh loves cars and uh i you know, I know a little bit about cars, but his big thing is cars and he loves cars. Um, we, neither of us really watch TV. There's a lot of things that we have in common, but then there's also, you know, my, like I do recovery. He's not in recovery. He doesn't need to be in recovery. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I go and I do my meetings and I do my things and, uh,
2: is is there any struggle right now outside of, obviously, this new territory? But for you, is there a lot of hardship that's coming as a result of this? Do you feel Not like? Not at all. No?
3: I, that's what I thought the thing would be was that, uh, you know, I wouldn't be okay with it or or comfortable with it. And it's, like, the exact opposite. Wow, It's actually been man. a really, really, it's a really good relationship. It's, you know, it's fun. I uh, We enjoy hanging out with each other.
2: And, uh, Who would win an arm wrestling match? I definitely would win. You would fucking wreck him. <laughs> yeah, <He's>, uh, <laughs> he.
3: Uh, I am. He's like 140 pounds. Always oh, looks to, like me. Yeah, but shorter. <laughs> you know what I mean. He, he thinks he's tough, but uh, <laughs> you, you could take him. <laughs> yeah, I, I. I don't think I'd ever come to that, but uh, I, if it I'd to. like to let him know that. Stronger than yeah. You. <laughs> well, and he knows like my past, so he, you know, he's just a he's a, honestly the the thing that attracted me the most is he's like a person in recovery, but doesn't do. He's like a genuinely good person like, kind, caring, does things for his friends, goes out of, you know, just, like, someone that you'd be like, oh, wow, that's a really good person.
2: But doesn't have that but, necessity, like, an impending drug addiction, right, hiding behind Doesn't it. have
3: to do it, or doesn't need to do it to stay sober. I guess you don't have to do it, but just, like, when we first started hanging out, we'd go out with his friends, and, like, you know, we'd be out to eat, and someone would need something, he'd go and get it for him, and just, like, little things like that, that you could tell that he doesn't constantly think about himself, which... I've noticed most human beings is a characteristic of, yeah. but he's like constantly trying to think about others and do things for others and is very kind and caring and compassionate.
0: Just lives in a constant state of awareness of the other people's feelings. Yes. And how they react to things. And yes. Taking that into, that's a beautiful quality to have. I agree. And I feel like I was gifted with that quality as well, man, because I, I'm always thinking of other people. Like things will happen. <laughs> <laughs> See he doesn't. David doesn't think of other other, other people, people at room. all. <laughs> Not even a little bit, dude. I finally start to talk, and you go and do some <laughs> dumb shit like that. Chad <laughs> doesn't want to be
2: interrupted during that. You no, know,
0: Anthony did this to me last week. I'm <laughs> trying to tell this deep personal story and be transparent, and Anthony's like, "I look like a well, pile of spaghetti." <laughs> man. So listen,
2: do you, I'm I'm going out on a limb here as far as with your significant others mentality is do you think some of that is maybe related to because for us with drug addiction it's kind of like a forced humility right and there was a long time that being open and gay was probably and and probably still really is and and probably definitely you know is kind of a hard thing to navigate with you know this socioeconomic situation going on whatever it is you know the way people view it and all those things do you feel like maybe that was kind of a reason why he's so understanding was kind of coming up with that sexuality or just in general like his family grade all of that stuff
3: i think it's a, a mixture of all that his family it's a very good family yeah a very thoughtful and kind caring family and, and also yeah definitely being out and active in that community for a lot of years yeah they you know, need and advocacy and trying to be understanding and and caring for others so yeah. he
0: came out and was transparent at a younger age? Yeah. A young age?
3: Yeah. Okay. He's yeah. 20. He'll be 30 next month. Has he ever
2: dated a guy like you before? Is he like breaking him in, teaching you the ropes? Uh, Well, yeah. No, he definitely... Like, that was like one of the things when we start,
3: first started dating, like his last two boyfriends were... Virgin, for nah. gay virgins. Yeah, I, I don't know what you call it, but uh, there's a lot of terminology and a lot of things I'm learning that I'm like, I did not know this. <laughs> You're gonna have to school us up on some of this stuff. I'm excited. I'm still learning, but uh, no, like that we're not out. And so he was like, I don't want to get into that. Like, and I'm like, listen, dude, I've lived a life full of, you know, I'm not afraid to like tell people, right? You know what I mean? Like, I've already when we started talking, like Danielle, who was your guest a couple weeks ago. I'm like I said I don't want to be living any lies I want to be transparent I called her right away and was like hey this is what I'm I don't want to have a secret in my life Fuck I just should. want you to know I'm talking to a guy you know what I mean and uh, I'm, I'm thinking about we're gonna probably start dating and that kind of stuff so
2: and she was stoked
3: yeah I mean it's Danielle we're very close so yeah to you know what I mean yeah. yeah
2: I couldn't imagine why that would affect anybody
3: it really I mean, doesn't <laughs> And, and, and anyone that you does
2: sure. you know what I mean it's like okay it's such <laughs> an opportunity for them to grow so for you right now and this is something that I thought was really cool as you were talking about was like still attracted to women look at them yes. you're like wow, you know yeah still like boobs yeah
3: still <laughs> still like women still uh yeah no i you know i don't I don't know what that is all about but uh yeah definitely still attracted to women still like honestly if, if I, I mean the relationship that I'm in right now is great and I and I see it going somewhere yeah but if it doesn't I, w- I would not be opposed to dating women again
2: yeah that's what you were saying that's so rad man it's so good for I know at least me sitting in the room just hearing it and hearing the conversation because for me it's like I remember being younger and I think we were having this conversation on the break was when you're young you really don't know what's going on and I was like oh man I'm pretty sure I'm straight but maybe I'm not and then I have you know I think you know, from society, you're just like, oh, I hope I'm not gay, right? you know, because I didn't want to get made fun of by my friends because everything was gay when we were 12. And and then I found out I was straight, and I was like, oh, I'm straight. You know, I, I never, and so my mind's kind of, uh, it doesn't have the capacity to even understand. But when you talk about, you know, it being fluid, and I have so many friends who it is fluid for them. So you
0: don't even know if you're gay or not. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I guess I haven't tried it out. I <laughs>
2: no, but I, I mean, I, I commend you, man, for coming on and, and even talking about it just a little bit. And I hope for our listeners, you know, if anybody is struggling with that, to know, like, you know, Paul has been a guy that I've known, God probably five years. I know that my first year kind of being around in Arizona and we kind of ran around the same community. We played cards together and you know, you're a person who was a leader on the East as far as what to do in order to embody recovery as right. a whole, you know? And so me to hear you talking about this stuff is really powerful just to know that you know you don't seem to me to be a lost person you know you don't seem to me to be like shattered or this is something you know that's uh sort of a phase so i i commend you for coming on and talking about it because i think it would be really powerful for the people to understand like hey this this might be going on with anyone right you know
3: right and it's okay
2: it is okay yeah,
3: You know what i mean it doesn't change the people that I've been close with in my whole life, like my sponsors, known, you know what I mean. That I've always questioned it, and all my close friends have known. I don't think it's something that you need to nest. I mean, unless you feel like you need to announce it to people. But yeah, that would be you weird. Know what I mean? That is funny. It doesn't though. change. Like like my friend. <laughs> the funny thing is, is like you know, you joke. Or people joke around about it, and people, you know, and it, it's like they feel like they have to change because now that I'm openly or you know dating a man that they can't like no more gay psh- jokes right and i'm like dude don't change the person you are i'm not going to change the person i am bring <laughs> on more gay jokes. <laughs> right it right. makes me more comfortable <laughs>
0: right. i'm more comfortable knowing that you're okay with this yeah. now i can be everything
2: was it. gay when we were 12 <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's a good question
2: Well, dude, that's (laughs) rad. And so uh, as far as connection goes and all of those things, I think what we had done with most of our our first three for sure. I know with Tara, we had like a really good time. But, you know, with everything that you talked about, I kind of like to sit down, you know, at the end of our our talk here and just kind of wrap up, you know, everything you talked about, maybe turn it into a lesson that I can take home for me. And so looking at your experiences, what I kind of take away from all of this is a necessity to have somebody that I can candidly talk to about what I'm going through. And that that's necessary because I I know for me, you know, I'm married, I got a baby on the way. Oh, congratulations! I I didn't know that. (laughs) So September, it's terrifying, right? It's it's exciting. No, it's amazing, beautiful experience, right? It will be. And so, looking at it and talking about my fears and talking about those things is so important because I can sort sort of start to make decisions on my own volition, thinking that like this is the way I'm supposed to do it, or I'm confident in myself, and then I mess things up, and then I get into, you know, A, B, and C problems because I haven't taken any guidance. And i haven't listened to anybody and and now i've made all of these decisions i'm probably ashamed of because i've made so many on my own volition you know so now i'm in a mess so what i take from you is you know continue to be open you know continue to talk to somebody about what you're going through and not have that fear of judgment whether it be like you said about either your sexuality and or your you know ego associated with who you're supposed to be because of your recovery or or for me is you know my work or my relationship you know I go through those phases so I really really thank you and maybe Chad I don't know if you've got anything or Paul if you can kind of elaborate on what I was just saying if there's something that you want to touch in there
0: I thought I just thought it was great because the thing is man when I when I start to hold things in and I don't talk about it I start to realize that like I'm fucking crazy and I'm I'm the only person that's in my own way I'm in my own way you know, and it's like I constantly if I'm not transparent with the people around me and I'm not accountable, then I get in my way. And that's when like my life just starts to kind of like not take a, a, a physical downward spiral, but definitely an emotional and mental one. And like sometimes I'll find myself to continue to hold those things in and to not talk about it because of fear of judgment. Right. Just how you had explained about like, oh, I'm five plus years sober. I'm supposed to be this certain person, you know, and it's like, well, I'm not I don't feel that way. And that's okay. And that's okay to talk about that. And it's okay to talk about, like, we're sitting here talking about weed. And I'm thinking about it. And it's like, I I know what's going to happen if I start smoking <laughs> weed, unfortunately, you know. And it's just, like, it's going to lead from one thing to another to another to another to where, like, my life is in the gutter again, you know. So, Always but, does. And I'm sitting here thinking about it. And I'm like, man, I love weed so <laughs> much, dude. And, like, I, I'm this my work is next to a dispensary and I'll be driving there in the morning and I could just smell, smell it. I'm yeah. like, God, why does it have to smell so good? Right. You know? And, and I would, and I would love to indulge in and in have, you know, and do some weed, <laughs> but like, you know, but, and, and I'm, and I talk about that and I, I'm super transparent about it because if I hold that in, it's just so easy. I just go to the doctor and I'm like, you know, go to the doctor and like, so you want a medical card? Yeah, my back just, do you want a metal card? Right, yes or no? Right. Yeah, but my back is... You N250. don't have, have to say anything. Listen, <laughs> we'll fill out the work. <dreary> Here Draft. you go. Here's <laughs> yeah, your card. Yeah, exactly. Go to the store, buy your weed. Right. Um, you know, so I just try to be transparent about all those little things that are going on with me, dude, you know? So thank you. Thank you for your transparency and thank you for for bringing this message, man. And I hope that there's an, if there's anybody out there that's struggling, dude, like and you've got something like that going on, whether it is you're about your sexuality or it is about your mental state or it is about your emotional state, like 90% of the world's not going to judge you. 10% are and be prepared for that, but that's okay. People are going to judge. People are going to be weird about it. And they're going to try to change who they are for you. Cause they don't know how to deal with that kind of stuff, but it's okay. It's okay. If you're not in a good position, you don't have to constantly like hold up this facade of being like this certain person, just like break down, be transparent. And like the things that are going to happen in your life are just going to be beautiful. They're going to be absolutely beautiful. Like anytime I, like <laughs> there's, here's a funny story. Um, a long time ago, a couple years ago, um, uh anthony was actually my boss at this company that we worked (laughs) at right and uh he was was big boss man right and um, i'm about
2: to sneeze away from being on chad's lap now (laughs) that's that's (laughs) what's happening things have changed
0: i want to tell this story real quick so don't fucking interrupt me (laughs) um so i was i was (laughs) are we done I still smell like Similac. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You just All right, power go through. through. Go ahead. Okay, okay. So, uh, I was doing things that weren't okay, right? I was I was being uh, shady for lack of better terms, right? Elaborate. Oh, now, I'm just kind of <laughs> 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 it would be weird Because only the recovery community would understand now, what I'm just I'm playing, playing with you I just go, okay. um, But anyways I was just doing things that I shouldn't Have been doing right and uh, I wasn't Transparent with Anthony and I wasn't Transparent with all these people and my life started To go And I could feel it man I could feel Things happening and then like it finally Came to that moment where I had to Show that transparency and I had to do The right thing and as a result of it My life took off in a totally different direction. I got a job in a different field, making great money, and I love my job. If I was never transparent about that, and I never got honest about it, well, I was somewhat forced to get honest about it. But you know, but but I did. But But I did because I could have kept lying about it. You know, I could have kept living that lie, man, and it wouldn't have been no good. It would have been no good, dude. And like as a result of that, and ever since then, I've just seen that transparency in my life is going to be the one thing that propels me to that next level, right? To the, to leveling up to that that next kind of tier in life, you know? So yeah. thank you is all I really got to yeah, say. Yeah, dude,
2: thank you so much. Of course. Cool. Well, let's wrap it up.
0: Yeah, don't forget to uh, hit the like button, subscribe.
2: Yeah, please subscribe. We please, appreciate please all subscribe. you guys listening.
0: Um, I mean, that's really it. Thank you guys so much for listening and taking the time to, uh, to hear what we got to say. Man. We'll see you next we really week. Appreciate it okay bye love you